You with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Faraz here. Now, this is going to be a solo podcast. Okay, we're trying to wrap up this 2023 NFL draft. We went over round one with Steve Rippey from Fantasy Guys, of course. We went over what we thought about round one. Now, took a little hiatus for about a week, and we didn't go over round two, round three. We didn't go over day three at all, but that's what we're going to do in this podcast. We're going to talk landing spots. I'm going to pretty much go over every single day two guy in this podcast. We're going to get through it all, all right? That's part of the reason why it's going to be a solo podcast, because I want to make sure that we hit on everybody so you have a pretty good you know, idea of what I think about these guys. Uh, going into the league. So this is going to be a uh, ridiculously filled, information-filled podcast <laughs> for you guys. All right. Uh, now, before I get into it, I did want to let you guys know that our rookie draft kit post-draft has been completed. Version 2 is up right now at shop.upperhandfantasy.com. However, it might be a better deal to get it over on, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash upperhandfantasy, because not only do you get the rookie draft kit, the updated version, the post-draft version with a landing spot analysis, a more detailed landing spot analysis than what we're going to go over in this podcast, but we're also, uh, we have updated rankings, updated ADPs. We have a bunch of, a bunch of updates uh, in this new version of the draft kit if you already got it you should have already received version two but if you didn't get a chance to check out version one version two is where it's at it has everything it has everything you need for your rookie draft it has everything you need for the 2023 season and just kind of understanding who these rookies are and what did they bring to their respective teams now that we know where they landed and what the draft capital is right so uh go check that out that would mean the world to me uh, the links will be in the description of the podcast, so go check that out. Um, let's get into it, guys. Let's get into it. Now, there were a few guys that I thought might end up going, you know, in day one, you know, on day one, in round one, uh, but, you know, that's okay. That's okay. We have a few guys that, you know, I'm really, really excited for, a few guys that went in day two that I wasn't even expecting them to go in day two, so move them up in the rankings, okay? Um, but again... Day one, round one, we already went over in the previous episode, so go check that out if you haven't already. Um, but let's go ahead and get started, okay? Day two draft overview. Let's do it. Going to start with Will Levis to Tennessee with the second pick of the second round, all right? Levis, you know, he fell to the second round. That's not great, but the landing spot's solid. He gets to sit behind Tannehill, and it might not, it might not even be for that long. Right, you have to remember that last year Tannehill was benched early. And, you know, then they found out they found out that Malik Willis wasn't really capable of much. You know, it's a different story, you know. But I think Levis has a much safer floor as a quarterback than Malik Willis. I, I don't think there's any question about that. You know, he can make all the throws that you need. The primary concern is going to be his decision making, right? The other concern is that he has no weapons outside of Traylon Burks and Chigo Conquo. And by the way, Traylon Burks, year one. You know, a little questionable, okay? Uh, but I will say that Will Levis, 
he now becomes a solid value pick at the back of the first round of Superflex rookie drafts, okay? He should be taken around that 10th pick once all, like, the first round wide receivers are off the board, okay? He's not the perfect prospect, but he has upside with that arm, with that mobility. He shouldn't be forgotten. Hendon Hooker went to Detroit with the fifth pick of the third round. Uh, Not a good landing spot for him, you know? Some talk about a Jared Goff extension, which I would do if I was Detroit, especially with that roster that they have right now. Hooker's going to be 26 next season. This is going to be a redshirt year for him. You know, I, you know, I, I don't know why the hell a team, you know, like this with all of the holes that they have. I mean, I'm sorry, with all these holes already filled, like why why go Hooker when they have a perfectly capable quarterback in Goff? No idea. Uh, Stetson Bennett. You know, went to the Rams in the fourth round. Wasn't expecting that. You know, but you have to, you know, he's an undersized quarterback. If you're worried about, you know, Bryce Young being undersized, Stetson Bennett, you know, even worse, to be honest. But fourth round pick, you know, I was expecting him to go day three. But, you know, now you he's with Sean McVay now. Now you have to kind of pay attention, right? Matt Stafford, you know, not the epitome of health. He, has, he had back issues. There were some, you know, career-threatening concerns around those injuries. So something to keep, keep, keep an eye on, right? Remember, you know, he won a natty, right? National championship winner. Something to keep in mind, okay? Even though fourth-round quarterbacks are not guys you typically want to bet on. Let's move on to running backs. Oh, man. Zach Charbonnet. All right. The only running back to be taken in the second round. 21st pick of the second. Third running back off the board. This landing spot absolutely sucks. It sucks for Charbonnet, who could have landed in a situation where he was the guy. And this is definitely not that. It also sucks big time for Kenneth Walker. We have two second round running backs who are both good, who will be eating into each other's workload. I can see a 50-50 split. Uh, in the run game with Walker getting the benefit of doubt early in the year, unless Charbonnet absolutely destroys him in camp, which I don't necessarily see happening. Uh, but another back I'm looking at here is seventh rounder, Georgia running back Kenny McIntosh. Like, I don't usually put too much stock in a seventh rounder, but the dude was one of the best pass catching running backs in all of football, college football over the last two seasons. You know, not just someone who caught a ton of balls, uh, you know, like Charbonnet did, but someone who was extremely efficient. When doing so, first and third in yards per route run among qualifying power five running backs each of the last two seasons. This could be a three-man backfield. Now, I'm still drafting Charbonnet once most of the first and second round rookies are off the board in rookie drafts because of the talent, because of the draft capital. But one thing that I'd be looking at in redraft this season is how big of a difference the ADP is going to be, you know, once it really settles between him and Kenneth Walker. Uh, I think there will be enough of a gap there in the ADP where Charbonnet, you know, would be the guy to grab over Walker potentially. I'm just assuming that Walker's price is going to be way higher. And I don't think that is the – I don't think the actual difference between these two guys in terms of touches in the backfield, like how that plays out, I don't think it's going to be – I think that's going to be less wide than how wide their ADP gap is going to be, if that makes sense. Uh, It's also possible that Charbonnet ends up with goal line carries at some point too. Moving on to Kendry Miller, fourth running back off the board. He was the uh, eighth pick in the third round. Miller being the fourth running back off the board, that was awesome for me personally. Like, I had him as my RB4 going into the draft, um, probably RB3 at this point, you know, given Charbonnet's situation. 
He gets the day two draft capital we needed. He goes into a situation where Alvin Kamara is not only in legal trouble, but was pretty inefficient in the run game last year. He was still efficient in the receiving game. Okay, something that we want to take note of. Still top five in yards per route run. Still still doing his thing there. But, you know, among 22 running backs with 200 or more carries last year, Kamara ranked 20th in yards after contact per attempt. His forced missed tackle rate was around guys like Zeke Elliott, Brian Robinson, Jamal Williams. At this point, three Jags, right? He's also turning 28 in July, which is past the apex for NFL running backs. So Miller should be prioritizing rookie drafts. Um, you know, like I said, I'm actually going to be moving him, moving him ahead of Charbonnet in my dynasty rankings. Tajay Spears got chosen by the Titans in the th- in the middle of the third round. The landing spot to Tennessee, you know, isn't terrible because you know the wheels can fall off Derrick Henry at any point like he didn't necessarily show signs of that last year he had a bounce back in efficiency but he's already 29 years old like he's way over the touch threshold that we like for NFL running backs and like listen I say this every single year but it looks like Derrick Henry's just that dude right like I just I'm just gonna keep getting this wrong every single year um now for Spears like this could work out in the short term and the reason why I say short term because you know, Spears' medicals, you know, didn't come back amazing. Apparently, he's missing an ACL in one knee. He did have ACL surgery twice on the same knee. Um, you can't tear one if you don't have one, I guess. But, you know, he did tear it twice. And, you know, he is a versatile back, you know, who could get some opportunity if Henry were to go down. As of right now, he's just, I think he's a high-value handcuff going into this season. Like, you know, a lot of us might have liked Hassan Haskins, but that was more about... And you know potential like okay well he'll get the touches but not not necessarily excited about what he's going to do with those touches but volume is volume in this particular situation if Tajay Spears gets touches like that's awesome and he's he might put on a show Devon Achain going to Miami at the end of the third round what a landing spot what a landing spot for Devon Achain like I'm not sure there was a better one for him Miami had a big need at the position. Like, you can't tell me that Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson were the answer, right? They can get it done, but not consistently, not for long periods of time. You know, Wilson was going to be 28 in November. Mostert's already 31. Um, you know, at, at, at the running back position, Mostert is a dinosaur. And A-Chain is about to tear shit up in Miami. This offense has so much speed now. And while I don't love undersized running backs for fantasy, I know Mike McDaniel can get the most out of A-Chain. And I'm in on him for fantasy, okay? If you give A-Chain an open lane on that outside zone run with 4-3-2 speed, like, he's out. He's actually pretty good after contact for a smaller running back. He's good at forcing missed tackles. Um, He was extremely efficient in the the receiving game in 2021, kind of fell off a cliff in 2022. But, you know, he put enough, you know, on the box score and on tape to understand that he can be a problem in Miami on top of the day two draft capital. It's not the best bet when you look at the size comps, but I'm throwing it out, you know, for A-Chain personally, and I'm shooting for the upside. All right, we're looking at Tank Bigsby at the end of the third round by the Jaguars. Like, I like Tank a lot, and, you know, he got the draft capital he needed for for us not only to buy in, but also to understand that, like, they really wanted someone to compliment Travis Etienne. So I think... Overall, it does suck for both Tank Bigsby. It does suck for Travis Etienne also. Uh, I think Bigsby is good enough 
to force a timeshare here. And another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, Bixby is the running back drafted by this regime. Okay, although it's also worth keeping in mind that ETN won that job last year with this coaching staff, and this coaching staff had him playing in every down role, but you know did not utilize him much in the receiving game. And also talked about adding the adding to the backfield this year. Doug Peterson talked about that early in the year, um, and they used significant draft capital to do that. Third rounder is real, so you know this hurts both Bigsby and ETN. I I still think ETN is a very good running back, um, but this is a, a very similar situation like we're seeing in Seattle, just not being talked about enough. All right, so we got Roshan Johnson going to the Bears in the fourth round. Now, he didn't get the day two draft capital that you know we hoped for, but he was taken off the board early on day three in the fourth round to the Bears, a team who we knew could have prioritized the position. You know, it was possible that you know, they left the draft without drafting a running back, maybe one drafting one late. You know, maybe they were clue with Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert. You know, Herbert being one of the most efficient running backs last season, and you know, but he was a day three pick as well, so he was never safe. Uh, we knew there was going to be a committee, you know, potentially with those two guys, Foreman and Herbert, um, but they do leave the draft with one of the most hyped running backs in Roshan, and you know, someone who I think will easily move to the top of the depth chart or at least close to it. You know, definitely ahead of Foreman at the very least, potentially ahead of Herbert at some point. Although I do think they will form those two guys, Herbert and Roshan Johnson, will form a one-two punch, and I think that's probably the best way to go about it. If I were the Bears, I'm not sure Deontay Foreman ends up sticking around. Like he might end up being a camp casualty, you know, getting cut at some point to go ruin another backfield. But I think him and Roshan have, a, you know, an overlapping skill set. You know, one that I think Roshan can potentially be better at. I wouldn't invest a whole lot in Roshan Johnson um, in Dynasty as a day three pick. Don't overdraft him. Like we just saw Tyler Algier replaced, even though he had an amazing season last year. But Johnson, you know, can definitely have a good year one um, and year two. Uh, the earliest I take John Johnson, um, you know, like in a rookie draft, um, is towards the beginning you know, middle of the second round uh, of rookie drafts. But I do like him to get some opportunity and be somewhat fantasy relevant in year one. Okay, let's move on to wide receivers. Jonathan Mingo, taken by the Panthers in the second round, eighth pick of the second round, fifth wide receiver off the board. Mingo ends up going to a wide receiver needy Panthers. Okay, Adam Thielen is turning 33 years old in August. What the Panthers were thinking, giving him a three-year, $25 million contract, I have no idea. You still have DJ Chark, you know, who's a good field stretcher. He hasn't really been a target earner since 2019. And I believe those two guys will be the perimeter wide receivers, while Mingo runs out of the slot. And that's what I'm hoping they do in Carolina. I think that is what they end up doing. Um, again, you know, Mingo does not profile as an outside guy, despite his size. He did play on the outside for a lot of, um, you know, his snaps, I think 60 to 70% of snaps on the outside, uh, at Ole Miss. I, I was there at the senior bowl, you know, watched a lot of him. Okay. He's an intermediate route runner, right? He was getting open a ton again. And you guys have seen this already. Like I haven't been, you know, looking for Mingo much, right? Uh, but at the Senior Bowl, he was getting open. He was gobbling up all those short to intermediate targets. Um, so even though he played mostly outside at Ole Miss, I would hope they move him inside because, you know, Thielen can be way more effective than Mingo on the outside. And Thielen also played, you know, on the perimeter mostly over the last couple of years in Minnesota. Um, so Mingo got the draft capital that you're looking for. His analytical profile, his production profile especially, absolutely stinks. His efficiency, efficiency in college stinks. 
Now, he did deal with some injuries that affected that, okay? And then after watching him in person, you know, understanding his ridiculous speed and athleticism and how much Frank Wright loves his slot wide receivers, right? This is who he was hoping Paris Campbell would become, right? Um, I'm a lot more bought in now despite knowing that he is a complete boom-bust type of prospect for me. Um, There's a chance that Mingo ends up being on par or getting more targets this year than the than these other two wide receivers I mentioned based on the fact that you know, he'll be more of the layup guy for Bryce Young than any of these other Carolina wide receivers. Moving on to Jaden Reed, taken by the Packers in the middle of the second round. One of my favorite prospects who I just didn't think was going to get the draft capital. Like he had a down 2022 season, but he killed it at the Senior Bowl. If you saw my Senior Bowl coverage, you know I loved me some Jaden Reed. Um, probably the best separator there one of the best separators in this class. I just wasn't sure if he was going to get that day two draft capital. He got the second round. Okay, so now the Packers fill a much-needed vacancy at wide receiver. And dare I say it, and I love Christian Watson. You guys know I love Christian Watson. And I think it's still worth betting on Christian Watson to be a good wide receiver you know, in the NFL based on his year one metrics, year one production. But Reed is a very good wide receiver who could challenge Watson to be the main target earner on this offense. We don't know what Jordan Love will be, but it's worth knowing who the top dogs in this wide receiver core are. Uh, and that's what that's Watson, and that's Reed, as it stands right now. There was a report talking about Romeo Dubs leading this team in receptions next year. No. Moving on to Rashi Rice, second round to the Chiefs. I think this was a bit of a reach pick for the Chiefs, okay? Not the first wide receiver they reached on recently but especially with some of these other wide receivers on the board. Uh, you know. But regardless, like I'm not overly hyped for Rashi Rice going to Kansas City, and this is not because they also drafted this guy more. Who, by the way, I liked way more as a prospect than Rice. So as it stands, I still believe more in Sky Moore making a resurgence in year two than I am for Rice overall. And, and I get wanting to you know, take a shot on the wide receiver that's paired with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid you know, on a team that desperately seems to need a wide receiver you know, do they really need one? They still won a Super Bowl last year. They could use one for sure. But Rashi Rice is still in a void for me. Um, you know, similarly to Sky Moore, Rice didn't play in the Power Five, but Rice isn't as good of a route runner, right? Can he stretch a field and win some contested catches? Sure. Like he had plenty of those in college. You know, even though it wasn't as consistent as like the highlight reels, you know, make it seem. Um, I think he'll have some big plays. He'll have some big games. But for fantasy purposes, I'm steering clear. Um, I don't think this is a situation where the quarterback can elevate someone, okay? And, and by the way, I watched him at the Senior Bowl. I was very excited to see him, to be honest with you. And he just wasn't really making plays. He didn't stand out. And it's worth noting that he didn't play in the Power Five, so there were plenty of Power Five DBs out there. Didn't leave the Senior Bowl with many positives on Rashi Rice, personally. Moving on to Marvin Mims. Uh, Denver traded up to grab him at the very end of the second round. Second round draft capital like to go with his analytical profile. You love to see this. Pair with Sean Payton. You love to see it. Pair with Russell Wilson. I actually kind of like it. You know, remember when Payton got in as the head coach, he said that he wants to do things that Russell Wilson does particularly well. Like, and I quote, bringing him off a naked boot and then pulling up. And we all saw that throw to lock it across the field. And I kind of like Mims to complete. I kind of like Mims to complete that sentence in Denver. Okay, you know he's a downfield receiver uh, who got the draft capital he deserves. You know he's not a you know 140 target a year guy, but he can be very efficient. You know I do like this fit for Mims in Denver. You know obviously he has to you know contend with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, but that's right now. Like we don't know what the situation will look like in a year. 
you know, you know, once Sean Payton really decides who he wants on this team, right? And it's worth noting that Mims was his first draft pick with the Denver Broncos. All right, moving on to Tank Dell, Houston's first pick in the third round. Now, listen, I love Tank. He was a monster at the Senior Bowl, one of the best separators there. No one could really stay with him the way he was getting up off the line. Um, but on a Houston team that needs a wide receiver, like I'm not so high on John Mechie personally. Definitely rooting for the guy, by the way. Like glad he's you know going to be able to make his way back onto the field after his medical condition. Um, but you got Nico Collins, who isn't necessarily someone who was able to take advantage of the Brandon Cook situation last year. You could see Tank potentially getting some targets out of the slot. Um, but again, look at his size, man. 5'8", 165. Like he's going to be a major outlier if he makes anything happen. Okay? I love him. I just can't bet on him. Like I'd rather take shots on Nico Collins right now. At least there's some glimpses, glimpses of him being a target earner. Last year, he averaged nine targets over his last four games. You know, didn't do much with it, but you know, his quarterback situation was terrible. Now he has a little bit of a quarterback upgrade. Maybe a big, big quarterback upgrade. And, you know, I'm not, I know I'm supposed to be talking about Tank Dell here, but I think I'd just rather take a shot on Collins as someone who might be able to put up wide receiver three numbers there this year. Maybe. Moving on to Jalen Hyatt. Uh, Giants fans already hate me. Um, they hated me when they picked Kadarius Toney. Um, I didn't love that move. Um, and, you know, I think Kadarius Toney proved that he's a better receiver than I thought he was. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I'm hoping that I'm wrong about Jalen Hyatt, too. I like the landing spot here. The Giants really needed a field stretcher. That's exactly what Hyatt is. I don't think he's someone who'll be getting a ton of targets at the next level. He just doesn't run a, enough of a variety of routes. And the offense he was in college, like basically just utilized him as a, a one-trick pony, maybe a two-trick pony, you know, deep balls and screens. Um, but I think the guys who are going to be target earners and, you know, are Darren Waller, Isaiah Hodgins, even Paris Campbell. I think those guys have a better chance at averaging more targets per game than Hyatt, assuming those all those guys are full-time players, okay? Um, however, I do think that Hyatt ends up making a difference for their offense more for football purposes than for fantasy, right? Because that field stretcher is invaluable in today's game, okay? So I think Hyatt's going to have his games, no doubt about it. Like, that that speed downfield is no joke. Okay, he's short-handed. He knows how to track the ball. But I don't, th I don't think he's someone, you know, you'd feel comfortable throwing into your lineup every week. Now, his teammate, Cedric Tillman, goes right after uh, Hyatt, okay, in the middle of the third to the Browns. And I like this spot for Tillman a lot. I think he compliments the guys they currently have pretty well. Elijah Moore in the slot. He can even rotate, you know, Elijah Moore can rotate with Amari Cooper, you know, as a flanker. Tillman can be the true X on this offense. Now, I like Donovan Peoples-Jones, but we probably saw the best of DPJ last season, right? Like, he probably is the guy that gets hurt the most with this draft pick because he plays – the same specific position as the X receiver. Now, does this happen in year one? Maybe not. But long term, you know, for Cedric Tillman tied to Deshaun Watson, assuming he gets back to who he was prior to Jerky Jerk, this could be a good thing for Tillman. Now, Josh Downs fell to the middle of the third round to the Colts. He fell way too far, in my opinion. Josh Downs, you know, the Colts got a very good slot wide receiver here. He's going to start from day one. They already have the perimeter wide receivers all set up with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. Uh, Anthony Richardson now has something to work with here. Okay. Uh, I really like Downs to outperform his draft price of the third round. Okay. Now, I would rather have him paired with a more accurate quarterback to start his career. Yes. Yes, for sure. But I'm hoping Richardson can get there. And Downs is somebody who can definitely help him become better 
you know, in that intermediate area of the field where Richardson did have some accuracy struggles. Moving on to Michael Wilson, end of the third round for Arizona. Absolutely love, love, love the fact that Michael Wilson got third round draft capital. I did not expect it. You know, I didn't even include him in my rookie draft kit, even though I really liked him. You know, a lot of you guys know that from my senior bowl coverage, he was one of my favorite wide receivers, but I just wasn't expecting him to get anywhere near the draft capital that he got. And I think it surprised a lot of people. And after, you know, what I saw at the senior bowl, this dude belongs. Okay. His release off the line, you know, in press coverage was so impressive. And, you know, we saw that over and over and over again during that senior bowl week of practices. Um, this, you know, he just wasn't able to stay healthy, right? That's his knock. Now he profiles as an ex receiver. So if D hop were to get traded, you know, he would slide into that ex receiver role with Hollywood as a flanker, Rondell Moore continuing to play out of the slot. Um, you know, Wilson was a big time sleeper for me. And I think all he has to do is stay healthy at the next level to way outperform his college production, which was severely lacking because of all the time he missed due to injury. Now let's hit tight end real quick. Sam Laporta. Top of the second for Detroit. You know, the Rams took an undersized running back as a top 15 pick. I'm okay with that. Took an undersized tight end, Laporta, at the top of the second. Very interesting strategy here. I, I like Laporta. Like, he's a very good route runner. He had a great production. Comes from a good, you know, tight end pedigree school, obviously. So the hope is that he's used out of the slot. Doesn't really profile as, like, an inline guy at the next level. Um, I, I don't see how he fits into the offense, personally. Like, I have to be honest with you. Uh, we'll have to see. But I guess it's good to be drafted to an offense that we know is going to be good, right? So this is a TBD for me in terms of whether I like the landing spot or not. Got to see how he fits. Got to see how they use him. We'll see. Michael Mayer, top of the second, you know, a pick after Laporta to the Raiders. I think the Raiders got a pretty good deal on, on Mayer here at the top of the second. You know, surprised Detroit didn't go after him before Laporta personally, if they were really looking for a replacement tight end for TJ Hawkinson. But... I think Mayer is the much-needed Darren Waller replacement. I think he has a good chance to be fantasy-relevant at some point over the next couple of seasons. Um, I wouldn't expect immediate production, as we know it takes some time for tight ends to integrate themselves fully into an offense. Um, it's a lot tougher to grade these landing spots you know, for tight ends, especially when you're not sure how the teams are going to look in a year or two when these tight ends will likely have a chance to break out. Like, who knows if Josh McDaniels is still there? Who knows if Jimmy's still the quarterback? Who knows if Devonta Adams is still that dude, is still on the team? Who knows, right? Uh, Luke Musgrave got taken by the Packers. 11th pick in the second round. Um, you know, being taken in the second round from Musgrave, like, it's really a bet on his size and athleticism, not necessarily his college production. He did look good at the Senior Bowl. Packers wife Packers brass love senior bowl guys. You know what I'm saying? They got they got Gene Reed, Christian Watson, you know what I'm saying? Like they they, they had you got Romeo Dubs last year. Um they drafted Dontavian Wicks later on. Um but the Packers also took Tucker Kraft around later, um, another tight end. So they placed a bet on two tight ends here, and we'll see if either uh, you know, or at least one of them become that guy for them. Kraft also has great size, great athleticism, um, also has a much better production profile although it's worth noting that he played in the fcs at south dakota state um if i'm better if i'm if i'm betting on either of these guys it's probably craft luke schoonmaker going to the cowboys end of the second round very interesting pick a little bit of a surprising pick i do understand what they're trying to do they're trying to get somebody who is good enough in the receiving game also can be a plus blocker as well doesn't have a great production profile although he was relatively efficient uh 2.15 yards per route run last season uh, right right next to Laporta. Um, he does have elite athleticism, great size. Um, he's going to be 25 years old this year, though, so I'm not sure I'd bet on him, you know, before Jake Ferguson, 
for now. Um, I'd expect Schoonmaker to take a little bit of time before he sees enough playing time, you know, for him to matter for fantasy. Uh, Brenton Strange going to the Jaguars at the end of the second round. Um, this was an even more surprising pick than Schoonmaker, to be honest. You know, 1.45 yards per route run last year. Not good. Not the most productive guy. Good athlete. Decent size. Just an interesting pick. I'm not surprised the Jags took a tight end. I was fully expecting them to. I was not expecting Evan Ingram to be their long-term guy after this franchi- after they franchise-tagged him. But now I'm looking at that as a more possible scenario <laughs> at this point, you know, given their tight end room. I want to talk about a few notable day three guys. There are certain day three guys that I'm intrigued with. Just want to list them out real quick. Uh, Roshan Johnson for the Bears. already mentioned him. Uh, is he a Bonaconda for the Jets? I'm not convinced he's necessarily a better running back than Michael Carter or even Zonovan Knight, to be honest with you. But he does fit this system perfectly. Like, if he has a lane on that outside zone run, you know, this man is out. Okay? See ya. Kind of like Raheem Mostert, you know, in the same system. So, I get the pick because of that. I don't think you can ask him to create much in terms of making guys miss, uh, in terms of breaking tackles. Um, not sure I'm too interested in him for dynasty purposes, but you know, someone to take note that he could turn into a Raheem Mostert type of back. Chase Brown, a big time producer in college, uh, especially last year. You know, he was very efficient in 2021. Got got his workload got almost doubled in 2022 wasn't so efficient in 2022 but if anything happens to Mixon, like he would be the guy he'd be the guy to get the workload on early downs we know that he can handle that workload um you know i wasn't really impressed with him at the senior bowl but the fact that the Bengals waited until the, the end of the fifth round to address the position tells me that they don't have plans to voluntarily get rid of joe mixon um i would assume that if they were listen this is a team who you know trying to make it to the super bowl so if they really had concerns about Mixon, I would have assumed that they grab a running back a little bit earlier. Okay, but I'll say that if anything does happen to Mixon that they weren't expecting, Chase Brown could fill in and he could be fantasy relevant. Eric Gray and Evan Hull, the two versatile running backs, were taking four picks, you know, you know, within each other to the Giants and the Colts, respectively. Uh, both good pass catchers. I like Hull slightly more as a prospect. Both guys will be in handcuff consideration for the respective starters in Saquon and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they're not shoe-ins for three-down work in case their number ones get hurt. Just keep in mind that if they do, you know they have the skill set to get it done with opportunity. Now, Dwayne McBride going to the Vikings in the seventh round, not something I expected to happen at all. Like, thought he'd potentially go off the board in day two. I still love this dude. Like, if I'm betting on any day three running back, it's him. And it's not close. Like, if anything were to happen to Dalvin Cook, they have Madison. But, like, I would not be surprised if McBride gets a shot at an early down roll um, alongside Madison. Pukunakua going to the Rams in the fifth round. I love that. Like, I think he can start on day one. You guys know how much I like Puka after what I saw at the Senior Bowl. But also his efficiency over the last two seasons when he was on the field, like, Top two, top three in yards per route run. Like, that was his big concern, you know, just staying off the, on the field. But when he was off, on the field, off the charts, man. Um, so if he gets opportunity, which I think he can do pretty quickly, I think he could be a big-time outlier uh, as a fifth-round wide receiver. Just hope he can stay healthy so he can take over what Robert Woods was able to do with Sean Buffet. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, Charlie Jones... Someone to pay attention to, to in Cincinnati. He was picked at the end of the fourth round. Uh, he was the most productive college wide receiver last year. And this is Boyd's contract year in 2023. So Jones might actually end up being Boyd's replacement in 2024. 
Another wide receiver, A.T. Perry, in New Orleans in the sixth round is an interesting one as well. Uh, he had a better profile than a lot of the other guys who went off the board in day three. Uh, he's an ex-receiver who could replace Michael Thomas you know, if he's ever gone, if he's gone after this year, who knows. But it's a long shot, but it's worth noting him. Okay, uh, before we sign off, guys, I want to make sure that I let you guys know what's going on with Underdog Fantasy uh, and their huge tournaments that just opened up. Best Ball Mania 4, $15 million in prizes, $3 million to first place, okay? Best Ball is the best format where all you have to do is draft your team and your team automatically gets placed in the starting lineups every single week, weeks 1 through 18, depending on how they do. Okay, so the best guys will automatically be in the lineups. There is no, absolutely no management of this team. There's no waiver wire pickups. Whoever you draft, you're going to draft like 20 guys, and those guys will be placed in your starting lineup depending on who does the best. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it. Draft and forget with a chance to win a ton of money. Okay, now... That was $25 entry for the Best Ball Mania. The Puppy, another tournament. Okay, $500,000 in prizes, $75,000 to first place. Only a $5 entry. Okay, so make sure to use the code UPPERHAND when you do sign up with Underdog so that you can get your first deposit doubled up to $100. All right, so if you put in $100 using the code UPPERHAND, you're going to get an extra $100, $200 total to put in these contexts. You can, you know, you can, you can draft a bunch of, bunch of, uh, bunch of different lineups right with different strategies increase your odds of winning go for it appreciate you guys thank you so much go check out the rookie draft kit all the information is down there in the description i'll see you guys soon take it easy bye bye